Listen, I'm going to ask you, as you're seating, just know that the Holy Spirit's at work in the room. He's at work in the room. And I just want to, I want to linger in just for a second. Because the truth is, sometimes the Holy Spirit decides what we do next. Sometimes the Holy Spirit decides what we do. And so what I want you to do right now is just enter into a time of prayer where you're able to say, God, whatever you're doing in this room and whatever you want to do in me, I want you to do. Would you just begin to pray that prayer right now? Whatever you want to do in me and whatever you want to do in this room, I want it. I want it. Carrie, come and pray right now. What is the evidence that the Spirit is showing up? It's when broken hearts begin to call out and cry out to the Lord. Would you just begin to pray right now, God, whatever you're doing, heal and bring healing. You're the God of restoration, restore. Where there's hopelessness, give hope. Where there's desperation, meet need. Some of you right now need to begin to pray, God, make me desperate like that. I hadn't felt that desperate ever. God, make me desperate for you. Cause me to long for you. Cause me to desire you. I long for you, God. There is no measure of brokenness. There's no measure of brokenness that he cannot heal. There's no measure of of things that just feel so ugly in your life that he cannot restore and make beautiful. and you you want to be prayed for because you want a new desperation for God you want to feel a thing toward God that you do not feel right now but you know you want to feel desperate for him you want to desire him and you want more of him you're not there today but you know you want to be there if that's you and you want to be prayed for just stand up I'm just going to pray for you you don't have to come down front but I want more of God. I'm, I, I want to feel a desperation for God that I don't feel. If that's you, just stand up right where you are. We're going to just pray for that. Amen. Who else? I, I, want, I want a desperation that I don't have. I need it. I need a desperation. It's not there. I want it to be, but it's not. Father, I pray in my own heart that you would make me desperate. I pray for my brothers and sisters that have had the courage to stand to their feet and say there's a longing they have and it's not there. God, if it's, if it's because we've substituted you for sin, I pray that sin would no longer taste good or feel good in our mouths and in our minds, that you would put it out of taste for us. 
Holy Spirit, we cannot create the longing we need. We need for you to come and move. I need for you to fall, God, on our church. We need revival. We need awakening. We need to come out of our sleep. Some of us need to be stirred to new life. God, I pray for every heart in this room that feels dead toward you right now, that you would fall on us. I pray for every heart in this room that feels broken and hopeless, that you would fall on us. God, I pray our concern would be first for you, not the preservation of our image. Kill the need in us to preserve how good we look and cause us to be like David. To just be willing to look like fools if it means we get you. Follow us. Follow us. Follow us, Lord. We are desperate for you.
The Spirit doesn't move like that unless He wants to work in a powerful way. So everybody in this room with me right now, I want you to lean forward toward the Spirit. You go, I don't know how to do that. Yes, you do. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you know how to do that. Which is, you give your yes to the Holy Spirit, and whatever He says next, you've already answered the question. When He says, will you go? Yes. Will you repent? Yes. Will you go to your kid and apologize? Yes. Will you go to your parent or your spouse? You know, the answer is yes. Whatever you say, I'm going to do it. That's how we lean toward the Holy Spirit. So will you with me say, Holy Spirit, you have my yes. I'm going to lean toward you. Whatever you say to do, I'm going to do. You with me in that? All right. Ephesians chapter 6 is where we're going to be. Ephesians chapter 6, we're looking, we've been looking for the last several weeks at how the Holy Spirit impacts our marriage as husbands, as wives. Today we're looking at how the Holy Spirit impacts us as parents and as children. As parents and as children, right? So, um, what I know is, you just like me, you need the Holy Spirit in your parenting, right? If you're a believer, uh, you need the Holy Spirit. We cannot follow the Spirit, we cannot raise our children the way we're supposed to raise them if we're not filled with the Spirit. Amen? We just can't do it. Can't do it. And uh, if you're like me, uh, when you were a, a kid, um, you gave your, pl your parents plenty of opportunity to become more and more like Jesus. You know what I mean? You gave them a lot of practice in becoming like Christ, in growing in Christ-likeness. Uh, I gave my parents lots and lots of opportunities to become more <laughs> Like Jesus, uh, I'll give you a quick example. I, um, when I've, I've been open with the reality that from very early on, I was not a great student and I did not make great grades. And um, sometimes I felt the need that my, the best ministry that I could give to my mom and my dad was to hide those grades so that they didn't have to feel the burden of it. Really, I was trying to love them well, you know. And um, so one particular report card came home and it wasn't flattering toward me. I didn't come out looking good. And um, so I thought, I'll minister to my mom by making sure she doesn't have to see this, right? Now, I was old enough. Here, so my plan was, I'm going to forge my mom's name on this report card, right? This was when nothing was digital. You actually had to take a real piece of paper home and bring it back, right? And so I'm going to forge my mom's name on this. I'm going to I'll take this back to my teacher, and mother will be saved from realizing she's raising a not-smart human. And um, so I forged her name. So here's the deal. I was old enough to think that was a good idea, but young enough not to know how to spell my mom's name. <laughs> That's real. That's, if Peggy Darby was here right now, she would say, P-E-G-I-E -E is not how you spell Peggy, right? And um, I turned it in, and my, my teacher was like, you really aren't smart. Holy cow. I got to call your mom, man. And uh, so that was, that's real. And listen, we give our parents chances to, to become like Christ. You want to know why? Because God uses parents and children to make us more like Jesus. He really does. He wants to be glorified in your parenting. He wants to be glorified in how you raise your kids. Kids, he wants to be glorified in how you are obedient to your mom and your dad, because we're going to be faced with challenges. Every parent is going to face them. And I don't just mean they misspelled or had a little bad attitude. I mean, sometimes you're going to face real ones, like they're crying in the room and you have no idea why. You don't know what's going on, right? You get a call from the school in the middle of the day, and you are at your wit's end. When you begin to discover places they've been and people they've been with, and you had no idea 
when you find the internet history or the chat history or the pictures and you are devastated. Then what do you do? Then what do you do? We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because that relationship, the things that happen in our home, um, those people should see and experience Christ in us and the work of Jesus in us more than anyone. Right? And what the Holy Spirit is doing in my heart, the people who should know that more is not you, but my wife and children. They should feel that. They should feel that first impact. Here's what I would tell you, though. I think for many of us, we believe that Jesus can change the world. We're just not sure he can change our living room. How many of you would acknowledge, I know Jesus can change the world. I'm just not sure he can actually change my family. So if you need a transformation in your family, or if you need the Holy Spirit to get involved in your parenting and in the lives of your children, that's what today is about. No, and by the way, no home is too far gone, no matter what lie the enemy is telling you today. No home is too far gone. So Ephesians chapter 6 is where we're going to be. We're going to begin in verse 1. I'm going to begin in verse 1. If you're there, let me hear you say the Bible is true. Bible is true. Amen. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Parents, you want to just stop there? Ready, break. Let's just do that. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. What was the promise in Exodus 20? That it may go well with you. And that you may live long in the land. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bring them up is a really important phrase. Um... It doesn't just mean raise them and let life happen to them. It means intentionally shepherd them toward Christ. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Um, how do we do that? How in the world do we do that? Um, how does God call us to do this? Because if you're a kid in this room or a student in this room, I want you to hear what I say. Your parent desires the blessing of God to be on you like this. That blessing of obedience, the presence of God being with you, he, they desire that for you. But God has put the responsibility on them to lead you to follow Christ in order to receive it. How do we, do, how do we get our homes filled with the Holy Spirit? Let's answer some of those questions. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Spirit-filled parenting, which is what we're talking about today. Spirit-filled parenting leads children to love and honor, and I should also have and obey their parents because they love and honor and obey Jesus. Spirit-filled parenting. Parents that are filled with the Holy Spirit are going to lead their children to love and honor the parent because they're going to lead their children to love and honor Jesus. All right? When I say love and honor and obey, I don't mean they're going to do that perfectly. I mean, parents, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you create the spiritual environment in your home where their obedience to you is something that can be a joy in their life. Um, can be a joy in their life. Look at verse 1 again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. What does that mean? That in the Lord is a phrase that Paul's used two or three times now between Ephesians 5 and 6. He said it a few different ways. But if you back up to verse 21 of Ephesians 5, 
Paul says we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So because of who Christ is, holding him in that position, we're able to submit to one another because we're submitting to Jesus. The very next verse in verse 22, he says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. First to Christ. And then we can do that as wives. And now here he is, the children, saying, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. What does that mean? Obedience is first to Christ, then it flows to parents in that order. So parents, if you're more concerned about your child's obedience to you than you are about their obedience to Christ, you've got the order out of whack. Right? When he says obey in the Lord, it means it is an obedience. Kids, students, we obey our parents because it's what pleases Christ. It's what gives him glory. It's what he's asked us to do. Do our parents want us to do it? Yes. But what's the main reason? Jesus wants us to do it. Jesus wants us to do this. And if you're a, if you're a student or a child, I want you to hear me say, Here's why this is important, because we can't if you're a believer, we can't imitate Christ if we aren't obeying our parents. Here's what I mean by that. There can't be two versions of you. If you're a student, child, there can't be the version of you that says, I belong to Jesus, I'm a disciple of Jesus, I love Jesus, Jesus has my heart. And in the other hand, you're disrespectful to your parents, you disregard them, you have no care for them, and you don't listen. The Bible's going, those two things don't agree with one another. They don't agree with one another, right? It begins to Christ, but then it flows to parents. And here's what's really remarkable and really beautiful. Obedience to our parents is a way our children can bring the mission of God and live it out in the home. This is a way our children can bring the mission that God has given them and live it out in their home. This is a way they can... Um, yes, you, they should be good friends and invite friends to church and be generous and be kind and all of those things, yes. But I spent a few weeks telling us adults that our first mission is in the home, not out of it. Guess what? That's true for our children too. So I want to tell every kid, every student this morning, no matter how old you are, if you believe in Jesus and you belong to him, you don't have to wait to live for Christ. You can do that now, right now. You can do it. In your home. So what is obedience? What is this spirit-filled obedience? That word obey, really, um, the Greek of that word just means to come under. Right? It means to come under. It means to recognize um, there, there, is a, there is an authority above me, and I'm under it, and I'm glad to be under it. Because when I come under, I'm under the provision, not just the authority, but the provision, the protection, the blessing, the generosity. I come under all of that. that that's what that word means. So what is this obedience that we give to our, what is spirit-filled obedience? I want to tell you a few things that it is and a few things that it isn't. Here's the first thing. Spirit-filled obedience is not sinful or harmful. It's not sinful or harmful. What do I mean by that? Uh, Ephesians 6.1, living this out, children obey your parents, does not mean that if parents tell their children to do something sinful, the child has to do it. Did that feel a little risky to say? It's true, though. Right? We say yes to our parents. Right? I was raised, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir. These were always the first responses given. 
We say yes to our parents when they ask us to do something. So is there ever a time you can say no? Well, first, you better be prayed up and filled with the Holy Spirit before you say no. But the point is this. Your obedience is first to Christ. And if your parent ever tells you to do something sinful, you obey as to the Lord first. You go, how do I know the difference? You have to be filled with You need Jesus. There needs to be some students who come to faith today and some kids who come to faith today because they can't do this without the Holy Spirit. Here's what this means for us, mom and dad. We never lead our children to sin. We never ask them to sin. I would never do that. Darby, I would never, ever do that. You ever ask your kid to hide something from your spouse? You ever made them feel like a little lie was okay as long as it didn't hurt anybody? It's okay. It's, I just had to tell a little lie that time. It's no big It's fine. You ever justified your outburst on the ball field as somebody else's fault? You ever justify your outburst in traffic? Pooh cut me off. Right? You know what I mean? It's their fault. The ump would have, that of the coach, just rah. You just justify all of that? You ever gossip about a neighbor, gossip about somebody at work, gossip about somebody in your family, but do it in a funny way, but in all, the to- all the while you're tearing them down? What are you doing? You're leading them to sin. So it's not sinful. It's not harmful. Here's the next thing. Spirit-filled obedience is not resentful. It's humble and joyful. It's humble and joyful. Everybody in this room knows you can be obedient without being humble, Right? You can do what you're told to do and check the box of obedience and be mad the whole time. The whole time. How many of you would acknowledge by show of hands? Everybody say by show of hands. How many of you would acknowledge by show of hands that you despise being told what to do? You hate it. I hate when somebody tells me what to do. Right? I'll do anything, but if you tell me to do it, the first thing that comes alive in my heart is, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. Nope. I don't want to. What is that? Boy, that's pride, isn't it? That's pride. That's our flesh. You know what the Bible says? God opposes the proud. You mean in those moments of pride, what I mean is God is not on your side in that moment. He is your opposition when you are walking in pride. But it says this next, he gives grace to the humble. You know what you find in God's grace? Actual joy. You find joy in the grace of God. So how do you do what someone in authority tells you to do without resenting it. Well, you have to be filled with the Spirit. You've got to be walking with Jesus because you have to love Jesus more than you love getting your own way. By the way, that's not just a lesson for kids, amen? amen. Adults, how do you do what someone in authority tells you to do without, because re- everybody's got a boss, everybody. So how do you do it without resenting it? You better love Jesus more than you love getting your own way. It's not resentful. 
It's humble, and it's meant to be filled with joy. Here's the next thing I would say and then move forward. Spirit-filled obedience, it's not instinctive, but it's modeled and practiced. It's not instinctive. What do I mean by that? I mean your, chi- your children, um, is spirit-filled obedience is not going to come natural to your children. You want to know why? didn't come natural to you. And you made them, so they're not going to come natural to them. Because they're not born filled with the Spirit. Obedience is not their native language. It, isn't you, it wasn't yours either. What was our native language? Rebellion, selfishness, and my own way. I spoke that language fluently when I came into this world. So did they, so did you. It's not their native language, so it's not instinctive here. You know what that means? It's got to be modeled. It's got to be practiced. Mom and dad, who is going to teach your child what obedience actually looks like? Not what it looks like when they do it because you said so, but what it looks like to obey your authority with humility and joy. You are. It has to be modeled. And obedience that is demanded without being demonstrated does not please the Lord. Obedience that is demanded. Do it because I said so. Just do it. I'm dad, I'm just you you do what I say. You really think that pleases the Lord? No. If we demand what we're unwilling to demonstrate, that's sin, man. It has to be modeled. What does humility look like? How do I show humility toward my children? If I want humility, somebody's got to teach them how to speak that language. Not only does it have to be modeled, listen, it has to be practiced. Parents, your kids are not going to get this right. They're going to mess up. And when they, when they fail... When they disobey, you will teach them more about the grace of God in the moment that they failed than they will ever learn when they got it right. Your children learn how their heavenly father responds to their sin by how their daddy responds to their disobedience. You feel that? Which is why, for the Darby kids, <laughs> there were some things about the grace of God I had to backtrack on and reteach because I didn't do it right. This has to be practiced. They need it bats. And they're going to learn more about God's grace in the moments when they miss it than in the moments when they nail it. Okay, obedience is never easy. It's not easy. Um, Here's why obedience is not easy, because it means doing something our flesh does not want to do. Our flesh doesn't want to do it. But for every disciple of Jesus, no matter how young or old you are, doing what Jesus tells us to do is always harder than doing what we want to do. 
It's easy to do what I want to do. That takes no effort, which is why I want to do it, because it's not hard. But being obedient to Jesus is hard, and it's always harder than what I want and what the world tells me I should want, which is why when Jesus was teaching this reality in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, verse 12 and 13, he says, enter by the narrow gate. Because there's another gate, and it's wide, and you can get on it, and it's super easy, and it doesn't cost you anything, and that's the way everybody's going, but when they get there, there's destruction. There's another gate, and it's narrow, and it's hard, and most people don't want to get on that way, but if you will, you're going to find life. So parents, kids, students... Obedience in this way is life. It brings life into your home. It brings the blessing of God into your home. It invites the power of the Holy Spirit to work in you. Right? So parents that are filled with the Spirit are going to lead their children to love and honor and obey them because they're teaching them to love and honor and obey Jesus. All right. Here's the next thing. Spirit-filled parenting is not built on law. It's founded on grace. We talked about this just a little bit. I want to unpack it. Look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Discipline and instruction. Mm. Those are, those are delicious words, aren't they? We just love them. How many of you woke up this morning and go, gosh, I hope I meet somebody who will bring some discipline into my life today? That would be unbelievable. Just somebody with some discipline and some instruction. I can't wait to hope that I get to meet them. Nobody did that, right? But this is the charge that he gives us. And first to fathers, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But I know there are some single mothers. Listen, I know you bear the weight of both. I want you to hear me say, while you bear that weight, God has unique provision and blessing and grace for you. You walk obedient to the Holy Spirit as you walk your children toward Jesus. God tells us that we should be leading our children not out of anger. Well, what's the opposite of anger? Delight. Gladness. Joy. Hope. These are the opposites of anger. He says, do not provoke your children to anger. I'm going to unpack that verse, but how many fathers would admit, I don't really need you to, I know exactly what that is, and I know what I do when that happens. Right? When all you are is heavy-handed, when what your children get most from you is heavy-handedness and rules and force and threats and my way or the highway and do it because I said so, when that's what they get most, you know what that is? It's provoking your children to anger. That's what that is. It's almost like we're daring them to disobey. I dare you to disobey me. Anybody ever use those kind of threats? Right? Because I think there's too many fathers who are looking for an excuse to let their own anger explode. And our children become easy targets. 
right? Fathers, this begins with us. Men, this begins with us. I told you last week, this is biblical headship. Biblical being the head of your home doesn't mean you're the boss. It means you bear the weight. You bear the weight. You bear the responsibility. And the spiritual climate in my home is on me. And the holiness in my home is on me. Because the humility and the obedience in my home is on me. I bear the weight of this. So fathers, if all you are is tough, we're missing it. I love last week when we talked about how Jesus was tough and tender. If you were here, if you remember that moment. Yeah, Jesus picked up a whip. You bet. Drove him out. But what he did a lot more of was get on his knees and wash people's feet. And Jesus was the place. He was the place his disciples ran to for security and comfort and forgiveness and love and restoration. He was the place that they ran for that, where they knew they were received. Do your children feel that love from you? If your children, if you had, if, by the way, I've said it for the last three weeks, if you don't know, ask them. You go, not a chance, biggin. I don't think I can do that. Let your children help you see Because if you'll make the ground safe for your children in a moment of honesty, now they need to be respectful, but if you'll make it safe for them to say what's actually in their heart, you know what's going to happen? You're going to see the areas where you're going to grow, but you're also going to see the areas where Jesus is working through you to shape them. Ask them. Not just, do you know I love you? That's easy. Do you see Jesus in me? When when we have to discipline, do you feel grace or do you just feel like I'm angry at you? Right? This, This is what he means when he says, do not provoke your children to anger. And the reason is because words like instruction and discipline are hard enough for kids when we're doing it right. They're hard for us, aren't they? Those are hard words to walk in because it feels like law and it feels like rules. I think sometimes we forget God's law is important in our relationship with Him. In God's law, He gives us boundaries. He gives us expectations. He gives us rules. He, gives us, he tells us what to value. He tells us consequences. He gives us warning. And all of that is important, but the law doesn't change doesn't impact the heart. His grace impacts the heart. Here's my point. God's people were transformed when they failed at the law and his grace showed up and met them. That's when transformation happened. And parents, God, I forgot this too much. Parents, The mission we've been given with our children is not a mission of behavior management. It's a heart rescue mission. That's the mission you're on with your children. Spirit-filled 
parenting is not about managing behavior. Prisons manage behavior. They don't change hearts. You're on a heart rescue mission. That's what you're on. And it's easy to forget that when the stress is high and they've disobeyed for the 50th time. How do you avoid parenting out of your flesh? You better be filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? All right. Your children are going to struggle. They're going to go through some things. It's going to be hard. And uh, Parents, we're not called to the ministry of avoidance where we help our children avoid every hard thing. Right? You can't keep your t- you, you can't avoid temptation coming into their life. You can't avoid them dealing with a hard relationship. You can't avoid something hard happening at school. Your your goal, your parenting goal is not to be in front of them and make sure nothing hard ever touches them or affects them. Your goal is when temptation comes, you're not powerless. When the broken relationship comes, you have value. When you're betrayed or you betray someone else, you still have dignity and worth. The grace of God is with you and it's for you. That's your goal. Some of you need to let your children go through the refiner's fire. Because James 1 says it's when we go through trials that we become steadfast and more like Jesus. You know what that means? Every time they get sideways with a friend, you don't need to call their mama. Every single time the grade ain't right or the teacher has the discipline, doesn't mean you need to go call for a conference and talk about how perfect your baby is and how the teacher's the devil. we got to stop doing that. Sometimes our kids just need the opportunity to walk through hard things. Why? Because it's growing them. And, and, and our job as parents is not to shelter them from every hardship, but it's to make sure they know their value and their worth and their dignity and God's grace as they go through it. Why? Because we're on a heart rescue mission. And as you, as you live this out, parents, spirit-filled parenting as you do this giving your heart to Christ first and and keeping your heart clean before God and asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit you want to know what's going to happen the natural outworking of that is that your home is going to look different and the peace in your home is going to be different you'll, you'll face the same challenges every other family faces but it'll be different you're going to prioritize different things You're going to say no to things that your children want you to say yes to because other families are saying yes to. You're going to say no. It's not for us. It doesn't honor God. You're going to prioritize the body of Christ when other families look at it as negotiable. Your home is just going to look different. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you actually have the wisdom and the discernment and the and the security in being able to allow, your ch- to allow your children to miss things because the glory of God matters more. Your child's fear of missing out should never trump your family's obedience to Jesus. Are you with me? I grew up in a preacher's house, and so did my kids. You know what that means? 
was a lot of stuff I didn't go to. A lot. There's a lot of stuff I missed out on. And there were some things I was told not to go to that I went to anyway. My mom was here at 8 o'clock. I did not say that in the 8 o'clock service. <laughs> I'll tell her later. Leave me alone. But I did have to miss a lot of things. And now as a man who's had a family and raised his, his children, our children, 23 and 19, and this beautiful eight-year-old here, what I'm, here's what I'm learning. Then when I look back and I see the things that I regret, students, I want you to hear this. I do not regret one party missed, not one. I just don't. I don't even remember them. I don't regret one time where my friends went and did something and I knew it was going to be disobedient with God and I wasn't allowed to go. I don't even remember them. I don't regret that. You know what I do regret? I regret every moment I had to set my identity in Christ aside to get their approval. I regret every one of those. I regret them. I regret every single time I had to take off the jersey of being on God's team and belonging to Him in order to get them to like me more. I regret that. You won't care one bit about missed parties, but you will look back and go, God, I wish I would have done something different that night. And I wish that mistake didn't follow me the rest of my life. How do, you, how do you walk through that? Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. This is right. Parents, you're on a heart rescue mission. That's what you're on. You go, well, our baby's really little. Preach this again in a few years. You're, no, right now. Right now. No matter how small they are, they can hear the words you say. They can feel the attitude you have. They can perceive the anger in you. You better be filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, I've said for the last few weeks. A few weeks ago, I told men that there is a question that burns in the heart of their wife. The question is, am I really the woman he wanted? And will he love me to the end? Ladies, I told you there's a question that burns in the heart of your husband. Which is, do you really think I can do this? Do you really believe in me? Will you be with me no matter what? Parents, I want to tell you something. There's a question that burns in the heart of your children as well. The question is this. Am I the child they really want me to be? Are they really proud of who I am and not just what I do? But they're proud of the person that I am. Right? And can I trust them no matter what? That question is burning in the heart of your children. Can I trust my parents no matter what? children that have peace in their heart. They know 
that their relationship with their parents is secure no matter what they do. It's secure. Children that have peace and live with peace in their heart, they know my relationship to mom and dad is not on based on my performance. It's not based on my grades. It isn't based on my behavior. It isn't based on my ability to keep their rules. It isn't based on my batting average. It isn't based on my college admission. It isn't based on my friend group. It is secure because I am theirs. And nothing can diminish their love for me and their joy that I belong to them. Do your kids feel that? Because the kids who feel that and know that and believe that, they have peace in their heart. Their heart's being rescued because that's the model of the Heavenly Father's parenting. You're secure with me. I see you messed up. I see your brokenness. But you're secure with me. All right. So parents, we're going to get into a time of prayer now. You're going to make mistakes. The only parent that hadn't made a mistake is the one that hadn't had a baby for more than about five minutes. I screwed something up with Kelsey before we got her in the car to come home. I know I did. You're going to make mistakes. So my question to you is this. Is there a confession that you need to make to the Lord and to your children today? Fathers, have you been heavy-handed and angry? You just need to say, you know what? I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I need more of the Holy Spirit at work, and I am sorry. Moms, have you been judgmental and critical? Do you need to look at your children and say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I want the blessing of God on your life. Any kids or students in the room, listen. Do you need to make confession this morning? Dad, I, I act like I belong to Jesus, but the truth is I've been disrespectful. I haven't cared about you or what you thought. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? There's power in those words. Mom, I was completely rude to you and out of line, and it didn't please the Lord. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I want to grow. I want the blessing of God on my life. have a relationship with Jesus, you can't do this. And there's some students today and some kids today who just need to give their heart to Christ and go, I'm going to belong to Jesus. So I'm going to invite you to stand. As you're standing, let's pray. God, I pray that for the next few minutes we would please you, we would obey you, Holy Spirit, that you would just work in us. In Jesus' name.